everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction. Each episode, each of the three of us brings a fic to discuss. And Reed, you're up first. What is the fic that you brought for us today? Yes, I am so excited about this. Uh, my fic is all capitals, Taco Quest, spelled T-A-A-K-O, Taco Quest Cycle 42 by Anonymous Alchemist. It is for The Adventure Zone Balance, which is a D&D podcast by the Macaroys. Um, and it is a choose-your-own-adventure. It is largely hosted off of AO3, but there are some, like, author's notes on AO3. Um, it's, it's Jen. You're living out a little fantasy adventure. Um, and it was very, very fun. Nick, what was your fic? My fic for this episode is called The King and M'Baku by AO3 user Titarik. And it is a fic for the fandom Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The pairing is M'Baku slash T'Challa. Brenna, what did you bring for this episode? My fic for this episode is Where They Hang the Lights by Misandry Witch. Uh, it is a fic for the 2019 uh, CW TV show Roswell, New Mexico. Um, the pairing of this is Alex and Michael, and it's a kind of space adventure AU. Sorry, I, I just made a face because somehow... I, despite hearing about Roswell, New Mexico in pop culture, I didn't realize it was a CW show. Brenna, come on. Of yeah. course it is. Reed. Brenna, are you serious? <laughs> you keep doing this to yourself? You uh, I can and I will. <laughs> she easily can. I sent mm. our friend a post the other day on Tumblr that was like, if success, no, it, it was like, if Euphoria was a CW show, I'd watch it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> oh my God. me too. Wow. Oh boy. I can't relate to that, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I don't currently watch Euphoria, um, but if it was on the CW, I might. You would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for our intro, <laughs> speaking of shows we don't watch, <laughs> yeah. So recently, for no reason that I remember, I asked Brenna if she could tell me the canonical plot of Fire Emblem Three Houses because we've talked about a few <laughs> Fire Emblem fics on the pod, but they've been AUs. And also, Brenna has watched me play the game because we live together. So I was curious maybe how much canon knowledge had trickled down. Um, well, I did end up like almost crying from laughter. Uh, so I thought it might be funny to sort of rehash that conversation, but specifically for all three of us to talk about the canon of fandoms that we have brought to the pod, but that we are not familiar with. So, um, Brenna will be doing Fire Emblem Three Houses, I will be doing TGCF, and Nick will be doing Formula One. Yes. Wow. This is going to go so well. I feel like I'm at an advantage, because just being a jock, I feel like I have a natural connection to all sports, mm-hmm. even ones that I don't personally follow. So if I get a lot of stuff right and it's not entertaining, I apologize to my co-hosts and the ficklets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so my knowledge of TGCF, also known as Heaven Officials Blessings, um, largely comes from the time that I was cooking dinner and Brenna just sort of told me the plot of it through our little, like, window thing. Um, yeah, I think I am an expert. 
And I'm so excited to um, share this knowledge with you, the Ficklets. So I'm really scared because I feel like this is a direct reflection back onto me, and I don't think I did a good job. <laughs> it's a reflection of like my memory, which is very mm, not great. Uh, Brenna, I think, did a perfect job explaining everything about this. No. <laughs> oh boy, Dude, I you're setting that, like, her half up. The plot. <laughs> okay, well, <clears throat> so when it starts out, there's a guy named Chilion, and he's like a. Prince guy, he's really popular and good in the place that he lives. And everyone is like, oh, like, Chileon, you're totally going to become a god. You're so great. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he does. Um, and then over the course of a very long time, he becomes a god. And then he gets kicked out of being a god. And then he becomes a god again. And then he gets kicked out again. And it's really tough. Um, I gather that the gods don't really have a choice in him reascending to godhood multiple times. He just sort of does it. Um, so that's, that's what's going on with Chileon. And at one point, while he is a god, he comes across Hua Chung, who is a sickly little boy. No, I think I'm stealing that from the tweet that Brenna showed me. I don't know. He's, he's an outcast little lad. Um, most people think Chileon is like not, not very cool. Um, to quote what Brenna had said to us one time, maybe on the podcast, he doesn't have a lot of god clout. Um, but Hua Chung actually thinks Chileon is the coolest. So many years pass um, and Chilion is busy, you know, sort of not doing very well in Godhood. Also, he has two friends who kind of like him and kind of don't, but he only has two friends. I think they're both gods. I don't really know. Um, while he's busy with his stuff, Hua Chong is like, I want to become as cool as uh, Chilion. And there's a Mm, volcano where the demons live. There's a demon king, maybe, sort of. Um, but if you go to the volcano and you get very strong, you get to be king of all the demons. And Hua Chung's like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, Chilion does not know this. I think Chilion barely, if at all, remembers the fact that he ever met Hua Chung, but that's fine. Hua Chung does succeed. He does get to be king of the volcano demons. Good for him. He's pretty... <laughs> Sorry, I got a glimpse of Brenna's face. No, you're doing great. Keep going. I'm sorry. Um, so he does get to be king of the volcano demons. Good for him. Um, also, pretty central to this story is that um, so the gods have like places of worship and like different idol symbology. And the more that people worship a certain symbology, like the stronger that version of the god is, like they can assume different forms. And one of Hua Chung's like most popular forms is a woman, I think. And so that's very gender. No, Brenda's shaking her head. That's fine. I've already said it. We're, we're going to keep going. Um, yes. Uh, after question mark, Hua Chung becomes king of the volcano demons. <laughs> he meets back up with Chilean, who um, is very impressed that he's so powerful and cool and definitely remembered who he was. Um, and I honestly don't really know what happens after they come back together. Um, I do know that uh, Chilean keeps doing the equivalent of like sending like boomer memes to the god group chat and like no one thinks they're funny or good but he doesn't really realize that he's out of touch but that's okay because Hua Chung is there and Hua Chung uh loves him very much question mark question mark I don't know how canonical they are I mean I know they are in love via the fan fiction we read and also like in fandom uh yes I don't again I don't know how canonical it is I don't really know any of the substance of the plot other than that um, but I think that's all you really need to know. There is a perfect summary of TGCF. That was good. Thank you. I that think you really did good. very well, Reed. Oh, thank you. 
there were parts of that that were correct. Hey! <laughs> Yay! All right. Should I tell you about Formula One? I would love for you to tell us about Formula One. Okay. Formula One is a sport where they race cars real quick and they try to get first place. If you get first, second, or third, you podium, and that's exciting. Uh, kind of like the Olympics. But you really want first. There's a bunch of teams. Unlike NASCAR, Formula One has teams, and the teams are brands because capitalism. So there's like Red Bull and Lamborghini and Versace. Um, <laughs> no, keep going. Just the yeah. ones I remember. Yeah, so those are some of the teams that they're on. And you can, you can be anybody on these teams, but there's only two people on each team because they don't have enough cars to go around in this economy. So just two per team, and you can be on different teams. You could be on one, and then you can go to another. Or you can get kicked out of your team and end up on a different one. Or maybe you got recruited. Or maybe you got somebody else's old car, and you're like, haha, the ghost of them, I feel. And you can like use their energy to drive faster. <laughs> Uh, in terms of the Formula One season, there's a bunch of races, and they happen around the world. And you go to different cities, and you race on their racetracks, and some of them have more loops and, like, tighter turns. And when they have a lot of loops and tight turns, everyone's like, oh my god, someone's gonna crash. It's really stressful. Uh, sometimes they do crash, and that's also stressful, and you don't we don't want to see that. Um, so my recommendation, actually, to Formula One is they have really straight tracks um, so that no one crashes, but... <laughs> You know, they don't listen to me. Um, yeah, so what happens is the P they get recruited, um, I presume, from, like, police reports of speeding tickets. People are like, wow, this person drives fast. So they get recruited from that. Um, or they train, I guess, and just want it. I don't – how do you even get into race car driving? Okay, sorry. It just confuses me. <laughs> like, I feel like I probably could drive fast, but I've never tried because it's illegal. So I'm just going to give it a shot, I guess. Like, it's just instinct. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, so they go, they have to dress in these outfits that make them look kind of, in my opinion, kind of dorky um, for safety and for branding purposes. Um, and sometimes there are uh, what you might consider homosocial bonds between the drivers <laughs> of the same teams or different teams. Um, and that makes fans excited sometimes. Yeah, um, usually I feel like there's on the teams where there's two of them, one of them is like, yeah, the brand loves them. And then the other one is kind of like the sacrifice to the brand. Uh, they really pour resources into one of them, I've heard. And there's the narrative. There's Lando and there's Max and there's Daniel. And there's other guys, too. And they speak a lot of languages between all of the Formula One racers, I'm sure. And yeah, they just have the different brands. And when they are on the Red Bull team, they can only drink Red Bull. And when they're on the Versace team, they can only wear Versace. So they have to be really loyal to their brand, even when they're racing or when they're not racing. And they stay in hotels and they're minor celebrities. Thank you. Just a, just a quick question. Do you know yeah. who won the 2021 championship? Yeah. I do. Yeah, please share. Oh, you want me to tell you? Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I don't know, actually. Yeah, so. it was. Brenna, you know. It was Lando. <laughs> it was an amazing comeback. After mm. previously, he'd come so close, but he couldn't do it. But he got an extra burst of speed 
because his pit crew oh yeah there's a pit crew i didn't talk about this you have to make a pit stop and then they go with like the hydraulic wrenches and stuff to change your tires and then you go back and they do it real they do it super fast i saw a video one time it was so fast so yeah but it was lando it was really exciting thank you i learned a lot yeah okay I'm about to do the worst of all three of us. I know fucking nothing about this game. <laughs> well, I had the bonus of mine being a real world thing. <laughs> yes. Okay. Fire Emblem Three Houses is a video game amongst the fran- franchise of Fire Emblem games. I think there are some others. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's the same people in all of them. I don't know if there's different characters in each one. That's not for that's not for me to say. <laughs> um Mm, yes, we have read two fix about this, and I watched Reed play it once. <laughs> okay, there are three houses, as the name would imply. I think at least one of them has a color. It's like blue something, blue lion, blue... Mm, I'm going to go with that, blue lion. I don't know if that's right. There's two other houses. I don't know which ones they are. I Maybe they also have colors. Is it like yellow and red and blue? Maybe. Um. And I think in the game, ooh, hmm. <laughs> oh no, already. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to get to where I have some information in my brain. Okay. Okay. I think in the game, there's a school and the school is where the people who have these mm, crests, are they called? I'm not sure if that's right. Last time I said shield and Reed started laughing, so I think shield is wrong. <laughs> um I think they're crests, and they seem to be kind of passed down amongst these big, powerful families, who I guess also probably become bigger and powerful, like, because of the crests. And I think only one person in the fam no, maybe multiple people in the family can have it at one time. I'm not sure about that. I kind of thought maybe it was only one per generation, but maybe that's wrong. I don't know. Um, And it, like, helps you heal faster and, like, do things better and makes you, like, not invincible, but just, like, a lot stronger. And this school is for people who have these crests. Um, And then something bad happens, I think. And the character who, like, I don't know if it's the character that we're playing as or, like, there's, like, a cutscene or something. I feel like it's the one we're playing as, but I don't know. Like, falls into a ravine and is, like, asleep for 10 years and then gets out of the ravine and is, like, I have to get back to the school. And someone's, like, buddy, the school's gone. Like, can't help you there. Um, I actually don't know what happens after that. But I think they still find some of the kids who are, like, at the school or something. And I know that you can also romance people. Because Rita's talked about who they've romanced slash married in their playthroughs. Um, again, I don't actually know, like, which your options are for, like, who you can play as versus just, like, who are NPCs. But I think some characters in it are Sylvain and Felix. <laughs> and... Um, why do I say is Claude someone? I don't think that's is that right? Okay, I don't know. Um, and you don't even remember my wife, my legal M- wife, M- Merced Mercedes, and Dimitri, and <laughs> I'm not sure. Probably some other people. Um. Yeah, I didn't even really know how the... I really thought the gameplay was very different than when I saw Reed play, like, one one scene of it, which is the scene that we talked about a lot from the fix, where, like, um, 
Okay, there's there's a scene. I don't I think that you probably only get it from like certain routes, maybe, or like certain player choices. Where like one of the characters has to kill his own brother because his brother became a monster. Um it was it was very literal in the game, which I didn't quite realize from the fan fiction we had read. Um Yeah, that's kind of all I actually know. Uh Fire Emblem Three Houses. I think there there's more than three houses for sure, but maybe there's three prominent ones in this game. I don't know. <laughs> like, there's more than three physical houses? <laughs> well, no. Like, isn't each family, like, a house, kind oh, I of? Know. I don't know. That's what I'd been operating under the assumption of in, like, the fic that we read. I thought you were making but... a joke about the play on words. That's also I also about. just do need to, um, because when I had asked you this sort of off-pod, off just organically. Oh, no. Yeah, no, what have <laughs> I said? You did also mention something about adopting children, which I found funny and also is my fault for the way that I kept phrasing it yeah, as poaching children. Yeah, I thought children. you, like, adopted children and then you built, like, a family. <laughs> like, you marry you marry someone and then you adopt other people and then you're a family. <laughs> I think that's actually, I think the main part of Fire Emblem Three Houses is probably building your family unit. Yeah. I don't know about anything else. I don't combat who. I don't know her. Picking the best schools for your children and... Yeah, well, yeah, because the main university really got trashed or whatever. So So (laughs) by the time your kids are grown up, you've got to find somewhere else for them to go and (laughs) have probably a kind of toxic learning environment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like with all of that, some people could say that we have invented our own versions of reality, except for me, because I was just describing reality. But like... We, you know, we we used what we knew to concoct a world where maybe the rules are a little different. And let me tell you, we did a lot more of that in the fic that we're discussing right now. Read, tell us. Yes, so my fic this episode, my choose-your-own-adventure fic this episode, is Taco Quest Cycle 42 by Anonymous Alchemist. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, it is for the Adventure Zone Balance, um, which is a D&D podcast by the McElroy Brothers. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that podcast that I'm not going to get into. Spoilers for pretty much the end of Taz Balance. If you somehow wanted to listen to it and haven't been spoiled for it at this point in time, Probably skip, definitely skip this discussion, because <laughs> um, all of this is going to relate to the end game. Um, what you need to know, in case you are not familiar with the canon, is that there are seven people who are on a fancy spaceship who are stuck in a 100-year cycle where every year they touch down on a new planet, and shortly after they touch down, this thing called the Light of Creation falls to the ground. And they can do lots of things in that year, but their main objective is to get the Light of Creation. Um, Because if they don't, this horrible uh, apocalypse thing called the hunger um, will take the light of creation, absorb the planet into itself, get stronger. It's pretty bad. It will annihilate the world. Um, And if they manage to get the light of creation before the end of the year, then the hunger only fucks up the planet a little bit. So in this fic, um, you are playing as Taco. It is a second person POV. um, And you are mostly traveling with... Magnus and Loop. Loop is Taco's twin sister, um, and the three of you are attempting to get the light of creation. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much what you need to know. Um, for the content warnings, um, these are mostly going to apply to the fic and probably not our discussion as much. 
even the ones that are present like in the fic, they're not super graphic in my opinion, um, but I am just going to give you the content warnings as the author has written them. Um, so major character death dependent on root, gore, eldritch horror story, and it's rated fantasy PG-13. By and large, the Adventure Zone podcast is a pretty lighthearted podcast, so this does not like stray too far from the tone of the source material. I had so much fun with this. I always think a choose-your-own-adventure is a really interesting concept, and I have a lot of fondness for Taz Balance, so this was a very fun perspective and like story to be playing through. I think it's really clever to set this fic in one of the cycles during the Stolen Century because there's a lot of them that you just don't see, so there's a lot of space for fans to play in that area. Also, I know that it's a canon that my co-hosts are familiar with. We've talked about a Taz Balance fic on the pod before, so I figured they would also probably enjoy playing through um, it really felt like a fic that sort of encouraged and was fun to go back to and see the different routes it could take and their different conclusions. So um, before we sort of get into our different playthroughs, I will just toss it over to the two of you and see what your experiences were like, if you had a good time playing it. I did have a good time, Reed. Thank you. Um, it was really fun to come back to this canon and to the Stolen Century in particular. I feel like there's so much space the Stolen Century, it's 100 years. Uh, the podcast definitively does not outline 100 years of content. That would be, I think, terrible as a narrative <laughs> choice. <laughs> so I feel like there is so much space. Um, I have written one Taz Balance fic, and it was set in the Stolen Century. And it was um, phenomenal. <laughs> oh, thanks. I think it was, it was normal. I don't know. <laughs> it's quite short. But it was very fun. And this really reminded me of the process of kind of carving out your own space in this massive world that is Taz Balance. And Balance as an arc is pretty narratively straightforward. Um, there is the story and they go down the story and there's not a ton of space outside of the Stolen Century to kind of change or alter or like really plot things out. So I like the choice to put this in the Stolen Century. I think it totally makes sense, especially for like a time loop narrative, right? Um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I liked the characterization. Um, it's told in second person, which I always think is fun. Everything reminds me of her asterisk, asterisk, Hera the Ninth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I did really like that piece. Um, and it felt, yeah, like tonally in line with the podcast. Kind of goofy, kind of fun, took it serious, moment seriously, um, and pulled in a lot of interesting elements that I'm sure we'll talk about. It's not just a exclusively text visual novel kind of a situation so overall enjoyed thank you yeah i also had a really good time with this um we've done a couple like fix on this pod that are a little bit more game like i guess um and i think it's always really fun to encounter works like that um and just have that like interactive portion as well uh, Reed had sort of pitched this to us a little bit, and all of us are familiar with Taz and Taz Balance and kind of the bigger storylines of it. Um, so I think that was that definitely made it easier to engage with this fic. I do think it might be a little bit more confusing if like you aren't familiar with Taz or its characters at all. Um, but yeah, I had a really good time with it. It, I had a very fun moment towards the beginning where I realized that like there were going to be sm more smaller deviations than I realized in some places. And I think the way that this fic chose to kind of balance what you have a choice in and what you don't was really interesting. And something I'm definitely excited to talk about more as we get into our discussion further. Um, 
But yeah, I thought this was really fun. It's always just exciting to do something that's a little bit different and unique. Um, and the formatting and gameplay aspects of this were so engaging. And I had a really good time with it. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're going to talk about kind of how our first playthroughs and stuff went. So I think that and beyond will get to a lot of my um, other points about this fic. But um, it's really cool. And like, honestly, if you just want to experience it like fresh and new, if like you're a fan of Taz, then like pause this podcast mm-hmm. right now and like go play it yeah, before we it. spoil all the endings for you. Yeah. It's fun. It won't take you that long. I think Reed said like 45 minutes for your kind of attempt. Mine was similar. Yeah. Yeah, like like 30 to 40, 40 minutes for a playthrough. And then, like I said, I think it definitely, in- well, the game explicitly encourages you to play again and try for different endings, but I also feel like I was enticed as a player to want to go back and see the different endings. So you definitely mm-hmm. couldn't play for longer. But if you if you feel like giving it a quick run through, it doesn't take that much time. Um, yeah, very briefly, Bren kind of touched on this, uh, but one of the things that like solidified this as, yes, I want to bring this to the pod, is the fact that it isn't just a strictly text choose your own adventure um which is really cool like depending on your route and what you do there are combat elements uh which is really really cool i don't feel like i've seen that in like similar choose your own adventures before um and also like makes a lot of sense for the source material um so i just think this author was like really clever with their choices and really deliberate about having different routes and having some choices impact things but making the ending satisfying no matter what or the endings satisfying um which is something i really appreciated because i feel like i've done choose your own adventures where you know you like make a bunch of choices and stuff happens and then certain plot things need to happen and so then it jumps to something that does not make any sense for the choices you just made and it's like well what was the point then of making this a choose your own or like what was the point of me making that decision if it doesn't have any impact and i feel like this author was like really conscientious to have the choices that you make have some sort of impact um, or like lead the story in a certain way while also not like making you just baffled by the time you get to the end. Like what? I totally missed this huge thing. What's going on? Like there was none of that. Uh, so I really appreciated that. Yeah, I feel like we can maybe like quickly run through our, our playthroughs and how they were the same and how they differed. Uh, when you start, you wake up, um, you're summoned to like a crew meeting where they basically explain, like, hey, we found the light. It's, like, in the center of this, like, forest. Uh, we're thinking about sending, like, Taco Loop Magnus. And you're like, great. Um, you have the ability to go do a couple things. You're in your pajamas, so you can change your clothes. You can go cook yourself a breakfast. You can go talk to some different people to get some information. And you can go to the, uh, like, equipment room to grab yourself some supplies. Um, so when I started, I straight straight to the equipment room. I was like, obviously, I'm going to need stuff. And then I got there and it was like, maybe Taco would be better at picking things if he knew what was going on. And I was like, oh, shit. So then I went to talk to someone to get more info. And then I went back to the equipment room, but it did not change my text. And then I was like, okay, I'll go talk to somebody else. And it was like, "Mm -mm, you're out of time, time to go. And I was like, ooh, I don't think I picked these the most wisely, but here we are. As you're venturing through the forest, depending on sort of what you've done, you may or may not have a map that will lead you towards the direction that you think the light is in. Um, You can go north or south. uh, And if you have the info, it tells you that north is probably where the light is. South is closer to the center of the forest. So I went north. Um, I encountered a child who was glowing, who speaks in all capitals and says things like, your dreams will consume you. I see the shape of your desire and it is all encompassing. So true. So true. (laughs) Small little child. 
I managed to persuade him to let us through. He took us to these three beings that are called the Eaters of Dream, the Eater of Dreams, so, something like that. Uh, where basically they're like, we'll put you through some trials. We'll make you face your greatest fears. And if you can get through it, then we'll give you the light of creation. So as Taco, you're like, okay. He goes into his dream. He kind of deals with like isolation and abandonment, gets through it. If you make the right choices, great. He wakes up. They're like, okay, cool. We'll give you the light. Time to leave. And he's like, "Mm, my friends are still sleeping though. And they're like, you can't, you can't help them. You can either now choose to go back to your ship with the light of creation, congrats, you've done it, or you can go enter their dreams, uh, which is what I did. You go into Magnus's, you sort of help him through, you talk him through, he wakes up, and then you go into Loops, who is your sister, and she is a little disconnected from herself. She's in her lich form, she's very powerful, she's kind of wants to burn the whole thing down and has been sort of infected by the hunger. Um... Then you can roll another persuasion check, and if you're like me, you didn't realize that the persuasion checks are entirely random. So I was like, yes, I've got this. I will tell my sister everything is fine, and I will get her out of here. Um, And then it was like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, you didn't do well enough. Uh, And then I had to fight Loop, but I didn't want to, so I was like, I'm not going to fight my sister, and then she killed me, and I lost. So that was my first playthrough. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then I went back and I, like, ran through a couple times and realized, like, all of the sort of deviations that the game could take, but... That was my that was my first experience. Mine was quite similar. Um, I changed clothes. That was one of my three options. I cooked breakfast and got these little detergent pod healing things. Um, and I did one more thing. I think I got some equipment, so I got my like wand and such. So I had a little inventory going into that first decision whether we should go north or south. I picked south on a whim. Um, I didn't have any information. I just said, why not? Uh, encountered this woman who her whole aesthetic was like nighttime, basically. Um, the text, I think, describes her as having like midnight hair, midnight clothes, midnight eyes. You get the gist. Um, and I fought her and I won. Take that woman. Magnus almost <laughs> died, but I gave him the healing pods and he was fine. We continued on. We talked to the Eater of Dreams and they were like, ah, you can't have the light. It's too dangerous. Um, but we successfully persuaded them to let us have the light. So that was fine. Same thing as Reed got through the dream sequences. Um, went into Magnus's dream, took Magnus with me into Loop's dream. And then I failed a persuasion roll. So kind of like we were saying before, there are other aspects to this. And a persuasion is a 50-50 pass-fail, which I don't know that any of us realized initially. No. Um, Yeah, that like you, when it says roll persuasion, you are rolling and there is a 50% chance that you will fail. So I failed. Um, And I ended up fighting her and I killed her. (laughs) Sorry, Loop. I was like, maybe I have to do this to win. No, it was really sad. (laughs) Taco was really bummed out. Um, Yeah, so I then opted to make some different decisions when I went back to it. But that is the route that I pretty doggedly followed to success. Yeah, I played the exact same route as Reed the first time. And that's basically the only route I've played. (laughs) Um, I just went back through and kind of just made the one different decision, which is like to go back to the Star Blaster after you wake up from your own dream instead of like going into Magnus's dream. But I never went south or anything. I only ever went north. Um, I did most of my things just kind of on instinct and like which thing I wanted to click on. I wasn't really (laughs) playing in a smart way. I just kind of wanted to see what happened. Um, 
So when it was like, do something dumb, do something sensible, I was like, well, I'm just curious about like where this will take me if I do the dumb thing, you know, which is yeah. going into Magnus's dream. Um, so like, that's how I, I was not really playing it in like a, I want to win. I just wanted <laughs> to like see where it would go if I just made kind of impulsive choices. Um which I guess are funnily enough are like pretty much the same as like Reed's <laughs> kind of playing in a much more sensible style. Uh, I don't remember what I did at the very beginning the first time. I think I, I think I did. I didn't change my clothes. I think I got gear, had breakfast, and talked to Barry maybe. Because um, then, like in the cutscene after that. Loop says to you, like, oh, you didn't even change your clothes. Like, you're still in your pajamas or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is that, like, specific? So, like, that's the first time I went back and realized, like, you could get slight variations, which I thought was really cool. Because um, I had not really been anticipating that from earlier. Because up until that point, it all seemed very, like, kind of straightforward. Choose your own adventure. Kind of, it just looped you back to certain places if, like, you didn't, didn't do things in a certain yeah, yeah. way or like, you know, after you ate breakfast, you kind of got looped back to the menu where like you could choose what other activity you wanted to do until like your time runs out and you have to go on the mission. Um, but yeah, the only combat I experienced was fighting loop at the end and I didn't kill her. And this is, this is completely my own fault cause it is in the text, but like I was kind of reading a look quickly and also admittedly did not feel my best when I was reading it but I like wasn't entirely sure like if loop was like a real loop or not so like I was kind of hesitant to kill her because like what if it was all a trick you know um I so, knew like, it was time... actually her and I still killed her <laughs> well the, the text does like give Sorry, you girl. the text is ambiguous like yeah the text like purposely kind of makes you wonder like is this loop or is this sort of yeah. like a hunger recreation of her I think I kind of skipped over the part that's like, if you die in the dream, you die in real life a Mm. little bit. Um, So I was like, maybe we just all wake up. You know, I don't know what happens. Um, No, I died. Um, And then, yeah, just now I went through and kind of looked at like the ending where you like you you just go back to the star blaster after getting the um, the light yourself and like you don't go into Magnus or Loop's dreams. Yeah, I thought the combat part was super cool. It might have been good if I didn't just kind of stand there. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't want to kill her. It's sad. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd combat every time Mm. with the the woman south. I just took her out three times. (laughs) One thing very quickly, uh, if you are not familiar with Taz Balance, while they are in this 100-year cycle, if they die, they're dead for the rest of the year. But then, like, the next year when they land on a new planet, they all come back. So there is, like... They don't want to die. And, like, obviously, like, Taco does not want to kill his own sister. That is emotionally not great. But, like, it's not it's not quite permanent. Um, but, yeah, I had a similar thing to Bren where I was like, oh, I don't want to fight Luke. This is so sad. And then as she was just sort of really laying waste to us, I was like, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll try throwing a few spells. It was too it was too late. It was too oh, late. No. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, if you happen to get lucky with your persuasion rolls. Um, and you go north to the boy first. If you persuade him and if you persuade Loop, you don't ever have to fight, which is interesting. If you do go to the boy and you fail your persuasion, which happened to me the next three times that I ran through it, oh, no. um, then he takes you to the woman and then you have to fight her. Yeah. Um, mm. And if you try, you can try to fight the Eater of Dreams um, and you it always lose. Work. It doesn't work. I tried that one time. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. Yeah. But yeah, back to, well, sort of what Bren was saying about the not realizing, like, oh, like, if you change your clothes, like, Loop says something different. Um, The first time I played, because I had done that, like, 
equipment room, talked to Barry, back to the equipment room. The thing I tried to do next was talk to Lucretia. And then Lucretia, the the text is like, oh, like, you don't have time. Lucretia's like, you got to go. So I had thought that the trigger for, like, moving you forward is talking to Lucretia. And then uh. when I played a second time... I like clicked around different things and I was like, oh no, it's th- you get three options. And even if you do what I do and go back to the same one, it counts as a click. Like you get three clicks. Um, Unless you try to go back to bed, in which case you get one click, I learned. Oh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, well, I was kind of mad that I failed the first time. Mm. So when I went through the second time, because I was like, I did so well and I don't know what went wrong. So the second time I was like, screw it. What if I go back to bed? Um, you just sleep until Lucretia goes, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> we got to go. We've kind of talked about how, like, obviously you you make some decisions and they have an impact, but other ones, not as much, like, persuasion is out of your hands. Um, and one choice that I found kind of funny is, um, so if you play through where you get to go into Taco's dream and he gets the light, he wakes up. Um, as we've mentioned, you can go straight back to the ship or you can go into Magnus's dream. After you go to Magnus's dream, there's an option to be like, okay, Magnus, you take the light and get back to the ship and I'll go help Loop. That way, like, we know for sure that we've, like, gotten the light this cycle, and, like, if something happens to Loop and I, it's, like, no big deal. Um, and I was like, that's obviously what I'm going to do. That makes the most sense. Uh, Magnus was like, no. Like, nice <laughs> fucking try. I'm not going anywhere. And then, like, grabs you and, like, pulls you both into Loop's dream. I do love that. It felt so in character, which was so good. I also think it's interesting that the, the framing of this, like, on AO3, um, the description starts by saying, like, Thank you for purchasing Taco Quest, Cycle 42, a choose-your-own-adventure game published by Zany Bullshit Games, a subsidiary of Taco TM Corporation. So, like, it's kind of like, okay, you, you're playing out a hypothetical canon cycle of the Stolen Century, but also, like, the framing is that um, in the future, once they've saved the world, etc., like, Taco has gamified this, like, 100-year yes. <laughs> heroin <laughs> journey of their lives and is selling it to the people, and I think that is so fucking funny and it's good. Incredible. Absolutely. Also, the meta of that, like the different choices that Taco then wrote in, like Mm -hmm. when you're going through Taco's Mm -hmm. dream and there's the option to be like, I can't do this. Like as Taco, what a choice (laughs) to be like, maybe you as me are a coward. Here's a question. This is like cycle Mm. 42 or something. Like is Taco himself still writing these or has he outsourced it? There's Mm. 41 previous games, you mean. That's my assumption. Okay, okay, okay. Based on how this was presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I like that. It's like outsourced to a ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely like, feels I don't like something think Taco was <laughs> writing all of it. <laughs> that is incredible. Taco made like bank off the first few yes. and was like, okay, time to continue this on without me doing any work. <laughs> it's like the Nancy Drew books. Yeah. I love it. I feel like, like there, there are jokes about how there's like, sports games like Madden or NHL whatever where every single year they have a new game and they they barely ever change and like that's what this is it's like every year you know you're gonna get like a taco quest the next cycle (laughs) how much different is it gonna be probably not very maybe they've got new graphics this time (laughs) amazing 42 is where they introduced combat and people were like oh my god this is revolutionary (gasps) what yeah it it was a big deal do you think you could buy taco quest at fantasy costco you absolutely could a hundred percent. Just curious. Well, okay. Actually, yeah. mm, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not because I feel like Garfield the Deals Warlock would have like take such a high percentage that Taco would not abide by. Like Garfield would be like, we'll split the profits 90-10. And Taco <laughs> would be like, absolutely the fuck not. Yes. But also, are there other stores? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
Has Fantasy Costco moved from just the moon base because most people are not on the moon base? I think I think it like has to have. I think they have to have like franchised it. Mm-hmm. Sorry if so, you like, have not listened major to major cities. <laughs> well, well, sorry. I'm passionate about Fantasy Costco, so no, as you should be. Um, yeah. For once, we're talking extensively about the fic and the canon <laughs> in our discussion. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to like Taco Quest Forty Three, where you oh. get to play in a Fantasy Costco. <laughs> I keep trying to, like, lure... Well, I have sort of given up. I don't think Bren is actually going to listen to Ether-C, but I tried to lure Bren into listening to Ether-C by saying um, Ether-C takes place underwater, and there is a Phantom Sea Coast Co. Um, oh, yes, I did hear about that. Which I, which I thought was good Brenna bait. It but, almost got me. Yeah. Mm. It's more just like I just don't really have the time or patience right now for any sort of podcast. Like, it's literally not just Taz. Like, I'm not listening to anything. <laughs> yeah, Brenna's not even listening to FitClick these days. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is true. <laughs> Oops. One other thing I wanted to mention in terms of other elements being included in the fic was during combat, which is very, it's, it's a little turn-based Pokemon-esque. If I can bring in an example of Pokemon having never really played it. No, you're so right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you can like choose which of your fighters you're going to have do an attack and Lupus the strongest. Good for her. Uh, But during the combat scenes, the music that's playing is from Taz Balance. So did you not know there was music? No. What? There is music. Play it with volume, folks. I always have volume on. What? I never have volume on. This is surprising that I've missed this. And it loops every time you click a thing. So there was a time where I was just kind of spamming loop because he's the strongest. It's like, dun, 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 Is it like Wonderland? Because that's obviously the best audio from Taz Balance. Yes. Wait, I'm literally, I have the game pulled up right now. And obviously my headphones are know what to tell There's you. There's no music. What? It was playing for me. And in the liner notes, uh, like in the credits, the author is like, I'm so sorry, Griffin McElroy, that I just yanked your music. If you don't want me to do this, I'll take it out. I don't think Griffin McElroy has said anything, though. Griffin McElroy, who is obviously an avid listener of Fick, like, <laughs> we'll get back to you after listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah, we've got this. Yeah, anyway, I don't... there is music. I don't know. I don't think I experienced that. Is there music the whole time and it changes for combat? It's just during combat. I will, I'll record a little clip for both of you on my laptop. Okay. Maybe actually instead we could just like screen share while I play through and then you can just, you can just hit the music cues on your do, own laptop. Do, 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 yeah, that also works. Do, 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 do. Yeah, thank my you. singing. I just wanted to mention that. I thought it was a neat touch and apparently I'm the only one that got to enjoy That's it. That's so really thank cool. You, yeah. Yeah, it was great. I wish I had because I feel like I would have really liked that. I probably like, I kind of always have my headphones plugged into my laptop, but they're not always in my ears. So that was probably my downfall. Oh. I did not have anything plugged in. It was just playing out of my laptop speakers. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so I think that about does it for our discussion of Taco Quest Cycle 42. Um, Stay tuned for when the author listens to this and then feels so inspired (laughs) that they then put out many more Taco Quests and we will play through all of them diligently and and maybe hear the music. We are huge Taco Quest fans. We have. I like to think that we have like a maybe joint subscription Mm. to Taco Quest, like Mm -hmm. where we just get one every year because if you sign up for like 10 years worth of Taco Quest, you get like a slight (laughs) discount. Buy nine, get one free. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We're we're big Taco Questers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're just, are we big questers? Is that like, is that like slang in this world? Yeah. Probably copyrighted it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we are. Okay, sorry, Rude. No, 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 please. We're all obviously also pro gamers. So um, this really is just up our alley. 
Um, you say that after I try to describe <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses. Well, we don't all always play the same game. Maybe the Fickles have forgotten by now. <laughs> they haven't. They're probably actively clowning me in the server. To be fair, I think there's there's only a couple Ficklets who also play Three Houses. So maybe you just were informing the rest of them sort of what the game looks like. Okay, fair. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think pretty clearly all three of us had a very good time um, playing through, just really, like, impressed by this author, um, really enjoyed sort of the narrative choices they made, the stylistic choices in this game. It made it very, very fun to play through. Um, yeah. In my fic, the characters talk to a sort of all-powerful god-like being that, if it is displeased, will kill them. In Nick's fic, M'Baku talks to a all-powerful god who um, does not seem like he'll kill M'Baku, but they do threaten violence sometimes. So my fic for this episode is The King and M'Baku by AO3 user Tetarik, and it is for the fandom Black Panther, which is a film that came out in 2018. It feels like a long time ago. I don't know. In my it brain, it's more recent. Yeah. Uh, which is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the movie is centered around the titular Black Panther, uh, who is also the king of Wakanda. So he is the also the titular king in this fic. Um, this fic is kind of canon divergent. Um, it's a character study primarily and a bit of a relationship study, mostly a character study on M'Baku um, in the events of the film after spoilers for the 2018 movie Black Panther, I guess. Um, T'Challa does kind of die and get resurrected, um, and he is rescued by M'Baku, and there's like there's just a lot going on there. Um, so this fic explores kind of what happens in those moments when they're sort of separated away from the plot, which is what the movie is really focusing on. Um, with the going-ons in the kingdom versus what actually is happening with M'Baku and T'Challa elsewhere. So yeah, it's very, very lyrical. The prose is extremely beautiful. That was what really drew me to this fic. Um, also, just being interested in reading fic for this fandom, I have not before. Um, I've said this many times, I have not read a lot of Marvel fic in general, um, and this is my first Black Panther pick. fic. Also my first pick <laughs> for this movie. Um, I really, really liked it. Uh, it's just under 5,000 words as well. So if you're interested, I totally recommend that you go check it out. Um, really, really beautiful story. Um, and it looks a lot at like faith and myth-making and ways that I think are new and interesting. So I have a lot more to say about it, but I'll also tell you that there are content warnings. And the content warning, there's really just one, um, which is kind of a temporary character death. I already spoiled you for it. It's, it's the same as in the movie. It's it's pretty tight to the movie kind of tone and events, I would say. So nothing major here. It really is a character study. That is all for content warnings. Co-hosts, what did you think of this fic? Yeah, I really loved this fic. I thought it was absolutely gorgeously written. Um, I think sometimes like the whole lyrical prose thing can be a little bit hit or miss for me um and I thought this was just a home run on that regard um it's beautiful but like it's also so deeply enmeshed with like the story it's trying to tell and I think the two like the plot and the actual prose play off each other so well it really feels cohesive in that regard and like each side is doing a lot of work for the other in a way that I think is really engaging um 
I absolutely loved that aspect. I thought like the character work in this was really well done as well. And like, again, fit in with the prose very well. Like the prose did a lot of the character work in some ways that I feel like you just don't see a lot in fan fiction. I've definitely seen it in some like published fiction that I've read, but even there it's like somewhat uncommon, I think. Um, And in fact, kind of reminds me of more of like the books I've read that lean towards like magical realism um whether or not they fully are I feel like it has elements of that like fantasticalness that this fic kind of brought as well that I thought was really well done and really interesting um I think there's a million lines from this fic that I could pull out just because I thought they were so striking and I think there are definitely some that we're all going to want to talk about um but yeah I just felt really compelled by how this fic builds your perception of the character through like the stories they're telling and how they're presenting themselves and just how it was all woven together worked really really well for me um I feel like I haven't engaged that much with like Black Panther as a movie since seeing it a couple times like near when it came out so it was kind of fun to revisit that part of like the Marvel world it did miss make me miss Chadwick Boseman But yeah, I just thought this was a really gorgeous fic that I'm really excited to talk about more. I do feel like the ship aspect felt a little bit unnecessary to me, not to be like rude, but it felt like the the connection between the two characters, I didn't necessarily need to be romantic. I really liked how they played off each other in a lot of other regards in this. Um, So I think the things that really stood out to me were more like the prose, the storytelling of it, and like how the characters interact just on like even a more platonic level in the like throughout this fic honestly for me um was really engaging sometimes on this podcast we have pretty different opinions when we read a fic or like different perspectives um and sometimes we're all like pretty tightly aligned and i think there's like benefits to both the downside of being pretty tightly aligned is that when I'm the third person to speak on a fic, I just go echoing what my co-host <laughs> said. Um, but I think when a fic has such like clear, strong points the way that this one does, I think it makes sense that we kind of latch onto the same thing. Like, yeah, I totally agree that lyrical prose can sometimes bleed into being too much or, or a little bit like hard to get into. But in this case, it just made this fic really vivid. The world building that it does, that it expands out from the movie, I thought was just like really aided by the narrative voice and the style of writing. Um, I absolutely love Black Panther. It is easily one of my top five Marvel movies, um, although I similarly haven't watched it in a couple of years. I also think it's interesting because, like, it fits into the MCU, but it works, like, really well as a standalone. I have friends who do not care for the MCU as a whole who really liked the movie. Um, And so I think it kind of lends itself well to a fic like this that just sort of digs in deeper and expands that world out more. Because, like, the world of Wakanda was, like, very vivid and bright in the movie, but there's also so much lore and history etc that is just sort of hinted at um and so i really really loved what this author chose to do in terms of expanding that i think one of the strengths of this fic too is that there's just a lot of little details that help build on top of one another to paint this like really beautiful picture um and to give us like a a really interesting and in-depth look at umbaku um i think he's a fairly fleshed out character in the movie but obviously like You don't spend a ton of time with him. And so I really appreciated getting to do that in this fic um, and how deep the author went into sort of like his motivations and who he is as a character um, and sort of what Brenna was touching on, like his dynamic with T'Challa. I agree. It could have gone either way, romantic or not for me. And it 
the most compelling part of of their dynamic was not necessarily like, oh, are they going to kiss so much? It's just like the ways in which they speak to each other, the ways in which they recognize each other's leadership and the sort of struggles there and how they've helped each other out and things like that. Um, and like tying back to this this idea that like Hanuman has said that like if someone does a favor for you, you pay it back three times. Like that being such a central part of M'Baku's character and how he interacts with T'Challa, I thought was fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. This fic, like, honestly really surprised me. I wasn't sure what to expect from Black Panther fic, um, but I am very, very glad that this is the, I think, first one I'm reading for this movie specifically. Um, it's unfortunately set a very high bar, if I feel like going into the tag. <laughs> yes, <but>. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember how I came across it. I just remember being very excited when I found it and being like, ha, 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 ha. You know that feeling of simultaneous excitement and relief when you found your next pick mm-hmm. for, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the pod? You're like, oh, I don't have to worry uh, for two weeks. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about this fic is that the character work that it does is extremely grounded in in-world and also expanded tradition and culture. Um, Mbaku is the leader of the Jabari, and that deeply informs every decision he makes, everything he thinks about, and the way that this fic explores duty and debt, like you were saying, Reed, and tradition and connection, I thought was just really, really beautiful. And it was a bit different from other things, especially in like a superhero story, right? So much of it is about personal responsibility. Again, like Spider-Man and stuff, right? Like this is about you as an individual person and how you are going to do what you have to do with your powers. And this story um, and this fic and quite a lot of the themes of Black Panther as well are really not about one strong man who's going to save all of these civilians who are helpless. It is a very different kind of framing, which I really appreciated. And I wanted to actually read a bit, if I might. Um, I imagine we're going to be doing quite a bit of that during this. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like whenever we say like the prose rules, I always want to give examples uh, because that can mean so many different things. So here is an example for you. Tradition is the debt that keeps you grounded, that ties you to your ancestors, praise be to them, who in turn are indebted to Hanuman. Now go. Go and tie yourselves to your children. Go and be indebted to your parents and your elders. Go and repay your debts. You will learn how, but go now. It really worked for me, and it was a really great, like, framing, uh, because we get that immediately after M'Baku is talking to Hanuman and is kind of looking at T'Challa and talking about how, well, T'Challa could have killed him during that duel to kind of claim leadership to be the king of Wakanda, uh, which is a scene in the movie, and T'Challa did not kill him. Uh, And so M'Baku is like, you can't die because I'm indebted to you, so you need to wake up so that I can like at least start repaying my debts, my guy. Uh, He doesn't say my guy in the (laughs) fic. He says, if you don't wake up, then I cannot repay my debts, Uh, which in itself is just powerful meaningful like it's very simple writing at certain points other parts are more pretty and lyrical i'm sure we'll talk about those but i like how straightforward a lot of it is it's not lyrical or pretty because the author enjoys hearing their own narrative voice you know (laughs) um so i really liked that and i just liked the grounding into cultural ideals and like faith and i just feel like these are pieces that we don't get a lot in fic so i really appreciated that we got them here yeah, I really liked also how like the faith in this uh, story is so centered around storytelling and how in like integral storytelling is to the fic at 
large. Um, it's very evident in the way that M'Baku communicates with other characters and like the way that he talks and presents himself. And you kind of get this sense too that like it's just very present in the Jabari like culture. Um, and like their their faith is very like story based, it seems like. Um and I think like two of my very favorite scenes in this whole fic have to do with kind of like M'Baku telling a story that is perhaps part fiction, but also very much the truth. Um, and one is kind of what the fic's uh, summary pulls from, where he's essentially trying to tell T'Challa that like one of his fishermen found him in the river. Um, and obviously like he he embellishes it, but is it not inherently true? It, it is. He is actually telling him more of the truth than he's told other people. Um, and then the other one that I really liked is when he's talking to this young kid uh, about basically T'Challa and the kid just totally thinks he's lying <laughs> and then later realizes that he wasn't. I just thought those scenes were so telling to us about M'Baku's character. Like, the author doesn't need to actually explicitly like tell us these things about him. We're learning it through how he communicates with these other characters, which I always find really compelling. Um, and just also this kind of nature of his where he has a sort of a lighthearted outer demeanor where it seems like you're not getting the full truth from him, where it seems like he's joking around. But actually, it it is the truth. Um, and I really like that kind of layers of like, how can you tell more truth uh, sometimes when almost making it seem like it's not? Uh, so I don't know. I just found those those scenes really compelling. And they kind of, I thought were really grounding points for the whole fic for me, um, because I think that that's kind of a big part of it is like, where's this line between like, like, what is truth in this? You know, there's kind of all this stuff happening that's like a little bit I don't know, almost mystical in some aspects. And even as a reader, you're sometimes unsure of what is being communicated as truth or not, but you kind of just have to take it as it as it is, um, which is an experience I really enjoyed. And I think that those two scenes really like spoke a lot to that kind of nature of, of the fic overall. Bren, I want to expand a little bit on the yeah, sort of please do <laughs> on the sort of um, fisherman tale thing that you were just saying, like T'Challa being caught or found in the river. Because when the fix starts, Mbaku is told T'Challa is floating in the river, and he goes down and he carries T'Challa out himself. He says to the fisherman, "You carried him out. I didn't, because the leader of the Jabari should not be seen uh, stooping to scoop the king of Wakanda out of a river." Um, and much later, when T'Challa wakes up. And sort of is talking to M'Baku, um, and M'Baku's like, ha ha ha, we found you in the river, like mighty cat, but you looked drowned, blah blah blah. Um, T'Challa's like, I know I was nearly dead, but I have sort of one memory. Um, I got caught in the net of a fisherman, and the fisherman was you, M'Baku. You carried me out with a net of your own arms. What a stupid thing to dream about, said M'Baku, yawning. I hate fish. Why would I go fishing? Um, which one, very, very funny, and felt very, like, in character, like, the voice felt really reminiscent of like the M'Baku we saw in the movie but two I think really touches on what Bretta was saying about like finding finding the truth or the heart of something in like half truths or things left unsaid like it's a pretty charged moment between T'Challa and M'Baku and M'Baku treating it as a sort of like oh you're being like ridiculous like oh like yawning because like I don't really care actually indicates how important it is and how close to the truth T'Challa is which I just thought was like really well done yeah, I think like to continue this bit of conversation, um, I also like that 
kind of whenever M'Baku speaks, especially when he's kind of in this more storytelling mode, it feels like his like dialogue is almost bringing these things into being. I think that's really interesting too, compared to like his conversations with like Hanuman, who kind of is this more like creationary figure, I guess, in a lot of ways. And M'Baku certainly does not have any like powers um but i feel like his storytelling and like the way he he states things is kind of a power in this um in just a much more like human way um because it kind of feels like whenever he's he gets to kind of describe how things are you know he's in this position of leadership and what he says goes but it doesn't feel like in a cruel way or like in a kind of I don't know, gaslighty way. Like he's not telling people falsities just to like be like, and whatever I say, you have to believe, you know? Um, it's more like he gets to shape kind of how things are perceived a bit. And he like shapes them in this very like lyrical and storytelling manner. Um, I don't know. I just found that very charming too. Like he's a character who I wanted to like hear more from. Like I could have read like way more of this fic because... I so enjoyed the way that we interact with like the narrative as a reader and like have that kind of space of almost uncertainty as to like what is real and what is imagined. What is what just exists between those things and like is perhaps partially imagined, but therefore also partially real. Um, I don't know. I really love that. Like when any kind of like writing explores that space of like a who's to say this isn't like factual, you know, um, because you've experienced it or like because I'm saying it, perhaps that is like the truth of of the matter. Um, so I thought this fic like explored that in a way that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, totally. I think one other thing I kind of wanted to mention here and that I really enjoy in stories that have a political element where there is kind of consideration of political tension or charge is how to put it the relief of being in the presence of someone who hierarchically is more powerful than you are um and by that i mean in this case in particular when you're in this position of leadership there is this burden and there is also this expectation that you do have a particular kind of power and influence over a situation and then that changes when you're in the presence of someone who has more political power than you do in some way or another um, and I just found that to be a really interesting point in this fic for a lot of it well, half of it maybe T'Challa is unconscious uh, so M'Baku is talking at him thinking about him thinking about how he pulled him out of the river and saved his life and all of these things how he's indebted to him um, but once T'Challa wakes up, it feels like their dynamic changes. I mean, okay, anyone's dynamic would change between being unconscious and being <laughs> conscious, probably. Um, but I was really interested in how a lot of the romantic charge, like intimate charge between the two of them, really seems to hinge on the way that they pass power back and mm. forth between each other. Um, T'Challa is the king. Well, in this case, he's, he's unkinged recently unfortunately but Mbaku does still recognize him as the king um, but T'Challa is in Jabari land where Mbaku is the leader and so there is this really interesting interplay one moment I wanted to shout out in particular is right before they do kiss in this fic spoilers for a 5k story that we've already <laughs> talked about a lot um, but right before that happens they're standing very close to each other and Mbaku thinks he could reach out he could seize him by the front of his shirt, lift him off his heels, maybe throw him out into the snow, maybe embrace him, maybe press his face into the side of his neck, his anger and his grievances and his longing against his king's chest. 
T'Challa did not flinch. T'Challa did not look away. And I think that that is where this idea had come into my head, at least, of this relief of somebody else who is stable in a way that other people cannot be when they're in the presence of you as a leader. Um, that T'Challa holds his own politically, he holds his own in terms of like banter and the flow of the conversation, ideologically, like they're really able to meet each other at a place of evenness. And that's really only possible in part because T'Challa, as an outsider in Jabari land, still holds this additional political power that allows him to hold his own, if that makes sense. So I was just really interested in that interplay. And also just this... Uh, I love fic sometimes. Like, you're able to pull <laughs> so much... I love fic a lot of the time. But you're able to pull so much context around the politics that are happening, around their relationship to each other, what they know of each other, how they respect each other from outside of the scope of these 5,000 words that allows the author to do so much so quickly in a short amount of time. Like part of that is because there is this scaffolding of structure that you're able to pull from and you're operating a lot of times at a meta level when you're processing what's happening in the story. So I just really liked that. And I think the author did an excellent job playing off of the canon source material to make this pack as much of a punch as it could in the short amount of space. Something I wanted to shout out specifically about the faith element is Hanuman in this fic. In the Black Panther movie, um, I feel like faith and the gods or ancestors are all much more present than they are, I think, in other media I've consumed. Like when T'Challa consumes the heart-shaped herb, he gets to go talk to his father and the other ancestors. Um, and in this fic, M'Baku talks directly to Hanuman and I just thought Hanuman's voice and presence was so interestingly written. Everything sort of like relates to the earth and the nature around them. Um, like when Hanuman wakes up from sleep, their voice is dreary with the, like the rumble of rocks. When they laugh, it sounds like a pack of monkeys. The Their voice is like a rumble of avalanches. Like there's all these like references to nature in a way that I thought really worked. But it's not like... A sort of like metaphysical like ooh, like I hear a sound on the wind and Hanuman is telling me something like Hanuman speaks directly to M'Baku they ask M'Baku to tell them jokes and there's a, a sort of a telling of a tale of the past of the one time that Hanuman actually lost their anger and, and had a sort of direct impact on the earth um, and the the people of Wakanda and I just thought it was such an interesting representation of a uh, of someone's relationship to their faith to have it be so physically present and grounded in the world around them which is kind of just a lot of what we were saying about this fic and how the lyrical prose also ties to the plot ties to the world building etc um i feel like hanuman's voice is pretty central to that um and their their presence not just not only in how sort of their teachings uh impact the jabari with the sort of like you pay your debts back three times over but with the like being able to speak to hanuman directly and and have that faith be so present um yeah, I don't know. I just I just thought it played a really interesting and central role in this fic in a way that felt very different from most other things I've read or just otherwise consumed. And I really, really liked it. Something I also thought was interesting kind of going off of that was like how M'Baku always seems very like aware that Wakanda has all this shiny technology and sometimes almost like kind of puts like the Jabari and like himself down in like the story because of it. Like when they first pick up um, uh, T'Challa like, the narration is kind of like, oh, well, like, they have none of the, like, sh shiny, fancy, life-saving technology that, like, the other parts of Wakanda do. Um, 
But I think what's really interesting is like because of that, that's where we get to delve into like the more kind of like faith based or like, I don't know, just not tech, not technology <laughs> um, parts of this story, because I think that is such like a huge part of Black Panther is like all the super cool tech. Um, but, you know, it's also balanced by like T'Challa having to take the heart shaped herb and like these connections with the ancestors and like with the land that they're on. And I liked how this fit kind of showed us that from the other side as well, from the side of like not having access to that technology. But like, obviously, T'Challa and M'Baku are able to like kind of come together (laughs) at the end. Um, But I think like, I don't know, I just thought that was like an interesting aspect of it, like to see kind of Wakanda from this other perspective where it's not, it's not like the other perspective that we're given in the movie, which is kind of like the outside Westerners being like jealous of Wakandan technology. It's just like other kind of tribes within this same space. Like how how do they operate differently? Like what are kind of the strengths and weaknesses and like seeing it from Baku's side um, and kind of taking the technology out of the picture, I feel like was was really interesting in this. Yeah, and as we're talking about the kind of folklore, the mythology, the cultural components, um, I think with the film and the fic, it's pretty clear that this there's a lot of um, reference to an appreciation for particular aspects of African mythology and folklore. Um, and I think that also undergirds a lot of this fic and also just a lot of the canon material that it comes from. So I just wanted to name that since we were talking about it kind of around it a little bit. Yeah, so that was our discussion of The King and M'Baku by AO3 user Tetarik. I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm doing my best. Uh, we never fully know. Well, we very rarely have like complete certainty of how to say an AO3 <laughs> user's name until they DM right. us on Twitter and go, you gave it a good shot, but you didn't quite do yes. it right. If every person who writes a fic on AO3 could just podfic one of their own shorter mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. So that we can go like listen really quick and then we'll know. That would be amazing. Or even just like upload something that's just like, this is how you pronounce my AO3 <laughs> handle. <laughs> that would be delightful uh, for us and for pod figures. Look at that. Um, anyway, I tried. <laughs> yeah, regardless of how you pronounce it, I think this author did a really wonderful job of uh, doing a character study and writing a beautiful story. And I just really, really enjoyed reading it and getting to talk about it. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, we always enjoy looking at fix of varying lengths. And I think it's a particular treat when a shorter one really hits the mark like this one did. So very much enjoyed it. Now that we've talked about a person falling into a river, it's time to discuss a person falling into dire straits <laughs> due to tenuous family connections. Brenna? <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So my pick for this week is Where They Hang the Lights by Missandry Witch. Uh, this is a fic for the CW TV show Roswell, New Mexico, um, which is which is certainly a show that airs on TV and which I have seen <laughs> all of. <laughs> um, I believe I got this fic as a wreck somewhere. Um, I have not been able to locate where I got this fic as a wreck. So if, if you 
dear listener, the one who wrecked it to me by any chance, uh, feel free to let me know so I can acknowledge you properly. Um, but it just was in my mark for later, and I know I didn't find it on my own. So I do not know how I found it, but um, I read it, and I really, really enjoyed it. It has a lot of things that are very up my alley. So yes, this is a fic for the show Roswell, New Mexico, which is a CW show that does take place in the town of Roswell, New Mexico. Um, It follows a bunch of different characters. It's sort of like a multi-POV show, um, three of whom are aliens. They look like humans, but but they're not. They're aliens in the show? Yeah, didn't I put this in the house? Probably. I just, it did stick. Yeah, I had the same thing where I was like, I thought they were looking for aliens in the show, and Brenna was like, they are looking, and the aliens are right there trying not to be found. (laughs) Yes. Three of them are aliens, Michael, Max, and Isabel. Um, They kind of consider themselves siblings. They're not technically like, well, we don't really know like how related or not they are. Um, But Max and Isabel are like adopted together and kind of considered to be like twins. But Michael like isn't. Anyway, it's complicated, but they kind of have like a sibling dynamic between the three of them. Um, There's also a bunch of other important characters who aren't aliens. Um, Alex Maines is a big one. He is sort of the other romantic love interest in this fic. And also like that is a canon thing in the show. Michael Alex is is a thing in the show. Um, Like when I said will they, won't they, I did not mean in a queer baby way. I meant like in an actual like actual relationship way. Um, I'm sure it's very classily done on the CW. (laughs) (laughs) Mm hmm. (laughs) Um, no, but it is actually the only reason I've kept watching that show, (laughs) because that relationship makes me want to, like, go scream for, like, a million (laughs) years. It's so compelling. But the rest of the show is a little bit nonsense. Um, anyway, Alex, he's important. He and Michael kind of had a brief but intense, like, end of high school relationship, like, right before they kind of graduate and then go very different directions, like, post-graduation, because Alex, like, enlisted in the military because his family's all in the military and his dad is, like, big on hunting and eradicating aliens. So, like, that's kind of mm, not great. So, yeah, alongside uh, sort of our sibling trio and then Alex, there's also, like, Kyle, um, who is, like, a doctor in the show, and then Maria and Liz, also big important characters in the show. They take much more, like, minor parts in this fic. Um, Yeah, so this fic is not set in Roswell, New Mexico. It is set in outer space. Um, (laughs) It's kind of a very classic, like, space adventure fic. Um, A bunch of them kind of are the crew of a ship together, and then they end up kind of saving Alex. Um, And there's also a bunch of flashbacks to, like, an earlier romance that, like, Alex and Michael had, um, which, again, kind of mirrors how the show runs with their relationship. Um, Yeah, I had a really good time with this. I mean, we all know I love space shit. (laughs) Um, I can be a little bit picky about, like, sci-fi AUs, but this one really worked for me. And I also just think it is inherently very funny to put the aliens back in space. Um, So even though this doesn't really deal that much with that aspect, I do just, like, really love that kind of authorial choice. Um, So I found that really delightful. And, yeah, like I said earlier, the Alex and Michael relationship um, in general just kind of makes me want to go shriek in the desert because I have a lot of feelings about it. And it's truly, like, okay, not to be mean, there's there's other reasons to watch this show, but it's really the only reason I watch this show. <laughs> Most of the actual plot is utter nonsense. Again, it is a CW show, and, like, I'm not even going to defend the plot of this one. Like, I know I defend Riverdale all the time. I'm not defending <laughs> Roswell. <laughs> okay. 
But yeah, I think the author here says that this is kind of like, um, they say the world building for this is somewhere in between the Outer Worlds and the Expanse and Cowboy Bebop and Firefly. Um, And yeah, I feel like I totally see that. I do not know Cowboy Bebop, but I do know Firefly. In terms of content warnings, I don't think there's really major ones. It's kind of like genre typical violence for like the space adventure, but also like if you've seen the show, kind of typical violence for that. Um, so yeah, that's my, like, introduction, I guess, to both Roswell, New Mexico, um, and also this fic. (laughs) Um, before we get into, like, more of, like, the actual content of the fic, uh, what did my co-host think with very, very, very limited Roswell knowledge? Because I didn't really give you much. Yeah, I, I would say next to no knowledge. Not that I think, quite honestly, more knowledge of this show would have done a whole lot because this is an AU, I found this an interesting read because when Brenna was sort of talking to the two of us about maybe bringing this as a pick, she was like, oh, like, I know that um, Wander the Wild Whereby was inspired by Firefly. Like, I'm worried that maybe this fic, like, might be kind of similar in that way, even though it's like a different different plot, different characters, etc. And I feel like I now understand the reading experience the two of you had where you were like, I am just going to focus on the character stuff and let the political plot, etc. just sort of go by me. Um, Because I did, I had a little bit of trouble sometimes keeping up with like the particulars of the political universe that this fic was set in. Um, But that didn't really detract from my enjoyment in it. We've discussed one other fic by this author on the pod before that I very much enjoyed. And I feel like they are really, really strong in their character work and like their character relationships. Um, And so all of those things, I think, very much like carried me through the fic, even as I was not familiar with these people before. And maybe it didn't always understand all of the politics of CMI and what Alex was doing (laughs) that he needed to be rescued for, etc. I found Michael an interesting POV to be in. He's very hot-headed and switches sort of his, like, opinion and temperament very quickly, um, which I feel like is, like, not necessarily a a perspective I've never read for before, but when you don't know the character and so you don't sort of have, like, their canon voice and stuff, I do think it makes for an interesting read and a POV to be in. Um, Unfortunately, just to remain the most on-brand to myself, um, from what little I know of Alex Maines, he's a pilot He's kind of charming. He's got his, like, witty quips. I really feel like if I watched the show, that would probably be my boy, at least based off of his characterization in this fic. From the way that Michael and Alex's relationship played out in this fic, Bren, I can totally see why it would make you want to run into the woods and scream. Um, As I said, I really think this author excels at sort of their character relationships, and I really, really enjoyed the Michael-Alex of it. It was, like, quite messy a lot of the times, and the messiest scenes were the ones that I loved the most. Also, I do just love a space AU, even if I didn't always 100% know what was going on. Like, I love the atmosphere. I love the aesthetic. Like, I love being in a space fic. So, yeah, overall, had a good time with this. Oh, also, Isabel is my girl. I do love her very much. I don't know anything about her canonically. I liked her very much in this fic. I also liked her in this fic. This is fun. Yeah, I feel like... 
similarly, I didn't really feel like I needed to follow the political stuff that much, to be honest, when we had like exes with history and like sitting vigil at the bedside of your former lover. Like we had we had the drama. I was ready. I was here for the tropes primarily. I do think I'm one of probably a fairly small population of people whose only knowledge of Roswell, New Mexico was that Janine Mason, uh, the winner of, what was it, season one? Really early season of, uh, it might not have been that early. It was fairly early. It was one of the first ones I watched. Anyway, uh, So You Think You Can Dance. Um, she's a legend, a champion, amazing. I knew that she was on the show. Um some like some like so you think you can dance update account or something was like Janine Mason and I was like oh my god I don't follow it anymore but I did when she was first announced oh the if it kills me dance is her yes wow that was her incredible yeah 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 so extremely good um so that was my knowledge of this show going in I was like Brenna which one's Janine and she was like what (laughs) Liz and I was like oh Liz is barely in this fic so that yeah. was that's the one downside for me personally so as sorry. a reader. It's okay. <laughs> I'll find you a Lizfic at some point. Yeah, thank you. I'd really appreciate it. Next rec exchange, or like when we do our host rec exchange, you can find Nick a Liz-centric fic. Oh god, good luck. Um aside from that, um yeah, I mean I guess I knew that it was set in New Mexico and there were aliens. I did not realize some of the characters were aliens. That is extremely funny to me. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and also that this fic was like, all right, let's put the humans in space. <laughs> our turf now. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked the, uh, I I love a trio as like a relational center of a story. So Max, Isabel, and Michael here really worked for me as an introduction into this world, an introduction to the characters, Um, their relationship with each other, the banter was extremely fun. And obviously, we love exes with history. Uh, We love people who hooked up and have weird residual feelings about it. Like, that's so good. It's so good. And it totally worked here. Um, And I also just really enjoyed the action-y bits. I always love that in a kind of space opera, space adventure story. So I liked that we got some of that as well. And also that we didn't always know what was happening. Um, I have other thoughts. I will share them later. But overall, I did very much enjoy this story. Honestly, Reed, your reactions to like which characters are your favorite from this fic, I think are really funny because I think without like, you know, I can never guess for certain, but I feel like if I had to have guessed, like if you were going to watch the show who you would like, I would have said Michael. Um, I feel like he's very much like up your style of character. Um, Maybe not so much in this fic, but like in the show, I think definitely more so than Alex who's like very much like the sweetheart um always trying to do the right thing very much like the good guy oh no that does sound more like Nick's Nick's character Nick loves yeah, like a Scott and, like, McCall pure of heart yeah and like Michael's very much much more the like a little bit getting into trouble all the time but also a genius does Michael like... have self-loathing <laughs> yeah yeah oh perfect okay that's my boy <laughs> that I take it back sorry Alex <laughs> <laughs> He's been like abandoned all his life. You think he doesn't have self-loathing? <laughs> um, well, rip. Sorry, Michael. Yeah, I would sw- I would trade seize you, but I'm already committed to Liz. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't, so I don't think Liz is necessarily a bad choice for you. Um you. Yeah, I I don't know who your favorite would be. I feel like Reed was like an easier guess for yeah. me <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um yeah, I I love both Michael and Alex and also Isabel. 
Um, Max, Max is there. Kyle is there. Sorry, I'm just giving you all my opinions <laughs> on Rival New Mexico now. Um, but yeah, I, I really like, I think that this fic also, read to your point, the political stuff is a little bit easier to understand if you know what happens in the show in that regard, but also just like if you kind of understand like Alex's toxic family dynamics and like the kind of military side of that. Um, I also found that like in this, in reading this fic, I definitely was focused more on like the character elements than like the um, nitpicky plot stuff. Uh, I just kind of let that roll over me because that's kind of how I watch Roswell, New Mexico anyway. It's for the characters. It's not for the plot. So I just kind of approached this fic in the same way. And I loved the character stuff. Um, yeah, I thought this the stuff between like the siblings was so enjoyable. And like, I don't know, being a few seasons deep into Roswell, they've all had so much tension with each other over certain things that it's kind of nice to just go back and like have a kind of pure like relationship with like between them a little bit more I really enjoyed that um and I think they are characters who play off of each other so well and then like again obviously I feel fucking feral about the Alex Michael everything um it's just like it's it's uh. oh bestie (laughs) wow I did um I have been queer baited to hell by tv shows (laughs) Uh you know And I feel like it's just very unusual to actually get, like, a queer relationship in a show that I also like. Like, it's not just, like, shoehorned in or kind of begrudgingly given to us by the showrunners. Like, it feels full and it feels like the one that you're most invested in. Like, there's a bunch of other relationships in Roswell, of course, but, like, that's the one, baby. It's it's the star-crossed soulmate nonsense that you all know that I can't get enough of so I just really liked how that was kind of transposed into this fic and I thought it was really clever to give us those flashback scenes to Alex and Michael's like first meetings because I think for people who aren't familiar with the show that kind of sets up their relationship to act in a similar way to how it does in the show and I think also if you're a fan of the show it just makes you feel out of your gourd a little bit um at least I can say that for myself uh and yeah I mean all of it just like Mm, when they first like meet up and Michael like sees Alice get shot and his like reaction to that I was like yeah let me throw my laptop out the window like this is amazing Miss Andrew Witch everything you're doing it's so good yeah um yeah I was say it felt like this fic didn't have time to waste it didn't it was, it like, was they're just gonna like... meet back up and there's going to be immediate disaster yeah I think one of my favorite things about that scene in particular is they're kind of seeing each other again for the first time in a long time is I think this author did a really good job of showing different relationships and how juxtaposed against each other they can tell you both a lot about a character and a lot about each individual relationship in contrast to the other one. So to speak more specifically, uh, you have Michael and Alex and as the reader you have like a kind of vague idea that they knew each other that they like could hooked up like stuff like that um and then you have kyle and alex who know each other in a very different context and so when alex has been taken out by having metal blasted through him um was it metal was it like a straight up gun i think, he, I think he was just shot in the sci-fi he, he was, was just, just shot. shot and it was like his brother or whatever yeah well by metal Which... i meant a bullet <laughs> versus like a phaser or laser yeah thing. yeah naturally <laughs> you never really know with sci-fi sometimes it's like mm-hmm. Ooh, and the unconscientizing <laughs> beam hit me yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like all right yeah he was shot um 
So while Alex is kind of out of commission, uh, Kyle and Michael speak briefly. And just in that moment, especially from Michael's POV, there's so much that Michael doesn't know about Alex that Kyle does. And that sense of kind of envy is so, so interesting because just the context and how they know Alex is so completely disparate. I really liked what that told us about both Michael and Kyle themselves and their relationship with Alex, but also about the way that the author was navigating some of these tensions um, and the way the author was going to prioritize, like what it really means to know somebody in this story about like space swashbuckling. Like I really liked that. I have two things, and one is not related um, to any of what you just said, but I do need to briefly say when Brenna was listing the author's inspirations, you know, like Cowboy Bebop, Firefly, I do wonder if this author purposefully left out Star Wars specifically because that first scene where they find Alex and they, like, get back to the ship and they have to, like, race to get out of the gravity cannon, Michael goes, can you fly her? And he goes, I can fly anything. And I was like, okay, Poe Dameron, like, literally straight out of The Force Awakens. Even I know Yeah, actually very fair. <laughs> uh, this is not d- directly related, but sort of off of what both of you were saying Um about relationship dynamics and also about the speed of this fic and how it was like, we gotta go, we gotta go the whole time. Um, I kind of mentioned that I think my favorite scenes of this fic are the ones that highlight how messy and complicated this relationship is between Michael and Alex. And they already have all of this tension between each other. There's the history and the fact that they had this brief but really intense like romantic fling and that it ended kind of poorly and they thought they'd never see each other, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of that gets heightened by the whirlwind of disastrous events happening around them. The fact that the first time that Michael sees him is when Alex is getting shot, that they have to like hide out in a sort of asteroid belt moon dust area because Alex's father is trying to like hunt them down or hunt him down specifically. I just really feel like the outside tension helped highlight the internal tension of their dynamic um, in a way that was like really effective. And also like, made me as a reader sort of I feel like I don't want to say more invested but it was like ooh, the the stakes are higher everything feels more tense because it's not just like waiting to see sort of how they resolve their past it's also like are they going to get out of this alive like is something like catastrophically bad going to happen to Michael and his siblings because they have this fugitive on board and like how is that going to impact like Alex and how he feels about everything like I just thought they mirrored each other uh in a really effective way yeah I think like as Nick said, this fic feels very much like it doesn't have any time to lose. <laughs> it's very fast paced. And I think along with like the kind of current events adding tension, like you also have these flashback scenes where you're kind of waiting to see how things played out between like Michael and Alex back in the day and like how that's contributed to like where they're at now. And I know we kind of sometimes have mixed feelings about flashbacks on this pod. <laughs> sometimes they work for us, sometimes they don't. In this instance, it definitely worked for me personally. Um, and I think also kind of having those bits did up the kind of tension as well of like kind of waiting. You're just on edge, right? You're waiting to see how this is all going to play out both in the present and the past. So I really, really like that aspect. And yeah, I think I'm very glad that, Reed, you did not find this similar to Wander the Wild Whereby. I think it's very different in most regards. I think the elements I was a little concerned about were like, one, I just picture them both as being on on the ship Firefly, which I don't <laughs> think is a problem either of you two have. No. Um, 
And then also just kind of like the crew is found family and like the high action plot and like the fugitive situation <laughs> all felt a little similar to me. Um, I feel like that's part of the course like, in a space opera, though. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. And like the crew is found family thing. I feel like that's something that's come up in a few of like the fics that we've discussed recently. And I just found it really charming here again, because as someone who watches the show, there's just like a lot of drama between people because again, it's, it is a CW show. And sometimes that drama is from, from the outside. Sometimes it's from the inside, but it was just nice to kind of see everyone working together. <laughs> and I really just like liked that that element of it. It was it was nice to see, and I think I don't think it's ever something I'm going to get tired of. Is sort of like crew as found family, um, in particularly like in a space narrative. Uh huh. I just think it's good. Okay. No, I'm my heart was of agreement. Like, yeah, I respect yeah. it. Yeah. One thing too that I was thinking about, kind of to both of your points, was. One of the things I liked so much about the pace of this, because it was so fast in the present, um, first was that the external tension not only kind of mirrored and juxtaposed the internal tension, but also cut through it. Like they had a reason to be in a very high stakes moment, very elevated emotions being near each other. Like if they had run into each other in the future at like a dock in a storage area, like you would not be getting these same feelings coming up when they're seeing each other again. Um, and then also with the whole flashback situation, these did really work for me. And I think one of those reasons is because in the, like, we're dealing with different issues. The flashbacks are not rehashing things that we already know or serving specific explanatory purposes as a backstory. Um, they really give us insight into that tension, into the emotions that were coming up in the past and how things resolved and where they left off. Like for that reason, I think they really did work for me in this context. I want to go back a little bit and just briefly touch on Nico. You were saying um, you really like a trio and like how this worked with the siblings and like Bren also when you were like, oh, they finally get to just be nice and to be found family in this fic. <laughs> um, I mean, they are in the show, too, but it just gets complicated. Oh, of so. course. It's a CW show. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing good can stay. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the thing about, like, where they come from, this planet of Antar, that um, they're, like, three of the only survivors, and part of that was out of, like, pure luck, is, I'm assuming, mirroring the fact that they're, like, three aliens stranded on Earth. I have no idea, like, if there is all of this sort of trauma of their home planet etc they don't remember anything about it but like they were part of a much larger landing party mm. and like none of those like many years back and like none of those people survived and they were kind of trapped in these like egg pods that like kept them safe for many many years until they like woke up like 40 50 years later after everyone else had like died oh, shit. so there's a lot of trauma about that after they they like learn about this though they don't like they wake up with like no memories and like don't know anything okay so Interesting. I just thought the way that it, it played out in this fic, because I was thinking about it because we were talking about the flashback scenes and there's one where uh, Michael and Alex are sort of on a blanket, whatever, and Michael mentions that he's from Antar and Alex is like, oh, I'm sorry. And Michael almost laughs because he's like, the fact of his birth, where he's from, is enough of a thing to be sorry about. Like, oh, that was really brutal. It like landed really hard for me. And I think also, like, you already sort of got some of the backstory of like Antar, but I think seeing an outside person's perspective on it really for me helped solidify like 
the bond between Isabel, Max, and Michael, because there's a lot of tension, but it feels like sibling tension. Like, Max and Michael are almost always at each other's throats, but not in a way that, like, ever feels, like, truly, like, relationship-breaking, and Isabel is the sort of exasperated sister who's like, all right, like, cut this shit, we've got bigger things to deal with. And it makes sense that if they're tied together by this sort of, like, very traumatic backstory of being, like, three of the only survivors from this planet, that their bond would be so intense, even as they are, like, you know, like, fighting and whatnot. Like, they're siblings. Um, I feel like rarely are siblings ever perfectly aligned in harmony, etc. Right. So thank you all for coming on this outer space journey with us. I know we've been having a lot of outer space journeys lately. Um, I've been enjoying them, and I hope you have too. Uh, I thought this was a really fun fic. I think it's readable if you're a fan of Roswell or if you're not, honestly. Um, my goal after tonight, I think, is to find a like very cliche and cheesy, but also somehow intensely compelling, like Michael Alex fan vid to make my co-hosts <laughs> oh, watch so yeah. they can understand <laughs> my emotions about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and perhaps perhaps if I find a good one, I'll share it with you as well, Ficklets. Um yeah, I, I had a really good time with this, um, and I'm glad it sounds like my co-hosts did as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. If you enjoyed it and would like to get in contact with us, or if you're one of the authors we've discussed on the pod and you'd like to tell us how to correctly pronounce your username, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are FitClick. We are on Tumblr at FitClick. We also have a Discord server, um, and you can find the link to that on our Twitter. Uh, you can also email us at FitClickPod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to gaze upon something with the FitClick logo or uh, assorted imagery in real life and look at it with your eyes, you can acquire said items by going to our Twitter's pinned tweet and finding our Redbubble store. We have some beautiful designs and you can have them on a hat or a tote bag or a notebook or a sticker or multiple stickers or other options as well. So check that out and get yourself a treat. If you thoroughly enjoyed this episode and would like to share that fact more broadly, um, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or perhaps another podcatcher of your choice if they allow reviews. Um, you could also tweet about it and kind of spread word of mouth that way. Um, this really helps us grow and find new people for our beloved FitClick community. So we really appreciate it when y'all share the pod with people who you might think enjoy it. Ficklets, if you looked at the title of this episode, you would know that it's episode 52. And as such, we have 52 kind of full-length, traditionally formatted episodes that you can listen to. You know how many weeks there are in a year? Tell them, Reed. Oh, it's 52! Thank you. If you would like to, starting today, really, you can listen to one full-length episode every week, and then in a year, you'll have listened to all of them, again, or maybe some for the first time. If you would like to do that, please tell us that you're doing it and we will encourage you. We don't have anything to like offer or give you, but we'll be like, good job. Good luck. Um, there also are assorted minisodes that you can listen to in between your weekly listens if you would like a treat for yourself. So just wanted to shout that out. On a more serious note, that is like a whole year of Fit Clicks, which is super weird that we have made it to this point. That's so many episodes. Good for us.
So due to scheduling, it's going to be three weeks before our next Fit Click episode. Um, so that episode will be coming out on April 1st. Um, we are returning to our sort of fandom classic format for this one, which we're really excited about. And we will be discussing the uh, very well-known Harry Potter fan fiction, My Immortal. Well, Ficklets, um, when I go to sleep tonight, I probably will also have very vivid dreams, much like the characters in my fic, although hopefully they will not be based off of my greatest fears. Bye! Ficklets, I'm going to go get fished out of a river. Bye! Ficklets, I'm going back to space, baby! <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Bye! <laughs>